Awesome. So, uh, lately, if you haven't been here recently, lately we have been talking, uh, we're going to be going through our series called Stuff, uh, and I think today is the last, um, the last kind of day of that. So finishing off the series, Patitai, we're bringing the final word tonight. I'm talking this morning. Uh, and stuff is uh, an interesting topic to talk about because you could practically talk about anything. There's, there's, there's real stuff, there's fake stuff, there's seen stuff, unseen stuff, there's stuff that happens to you, stuff that you do. Really, it could be anything. So I'm going to talk about all of it. No, I'm joking. Um, today, I really want to talk about the unseen stuff, the stuff that goes on inside of our hearts, the stuff that we don't necessarily see, the stuff that doesn't necessarily um, happen in our lives, but actually that has an impact inside of us. Inside of us, It's the unseen stuff. You know, Pastor Sam says, uh, often says, the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. And that's really what I want to be talking about today. And uh, if you're going through tough times today, or you've had a tough week, tough month, maybe you've had bad things happen to you, maybe you've been struggling through things, whatever it may be, I really believe that God wants to speak directly to you today. If you're new here, or if this is your first time, I believe, even if you're not a Christian, you don't even know what that necessarily means, I really believe that God is able to speak to you in this place today. So I'm really praying and believing that, that, that God's going to minister, that I'm going to speak, but God's going to minister, and uh, it's going to be good. Amen? Very cool, very cool. See, uh, recently I listened to a preacher called Mark um, Varohis. I think that's how you say his name. He never actually said his full name. So he's, he's from King, Kingdom City Church in Malaysia and Perth. And uh, amazing preacher. He, he spoke up in Auckland Equippers. And I, 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 pod, I listened to a podcast of one of his messages. And it was so awesome and so hard-hitting that I knew I would have to share it here for us today. So uh, the, a lot of what I'm saying today is influenced by him. It's obviously not a carbon copy. Don't, don't do that. All the stories and everything like that are mine. The, the bulk of it is mine. But it's really influenced by his idea. Really influenced by his idea. And ultimately, it comes from the Bible, so it's God's idea. Uh, we're going to jump there now. If you've got a Bible, turn to Matthew 13. And we're going to start at verse... Three. We're going to throw it up on the screen. Good old Jack Cousteau. Here we go. All right. Then he told them many things in parables. This is Jesus speaking, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And then we jump down to uh, verse 18. Uh, Jesus explains this parable. And see, Jesus himself thought this parable was so important that he would explain it to us. Jesus often talked in parables. It was just a story to, uh, to, to, to demonstrate a point or to, to tell a, a story behind a story or unlock a meaning behind uh, the meaning he was saying. And this one, he, 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 didn't, he didn't interpret all of them for us, but this one he did. He obviously thought it was so important that we couldn't 
get it wrong. He didn't trust us to make it up on our own and try and figure out the meaning. He told us the meaning. It says this, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Key point there to notice that the soil which the seed was sown onto is referring to our heart. Important point. Cool. Um, The one who received this, uh, sorry, in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil, everybody say good soil, is the man who hears the word and understands it. He he produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Very cool. See, I really believe it's often the small things in life that trip us up the most. It's not the big things. It's not the hard circumstances. It's really the small things that go unnoticed, untouched, that really do the damage. And that's really what we're going to talk about today. But why don't we start by praying? Why don't you close your eyes, bow your head, and let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you're in this place. Right now we come before you. We, want to, we, we declare we want to hear your voice. We want to have you minister to us. Father, we open our hearts, we open our minds right now, and Lord, we prepare to hear from you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Very cool, very cool. Has anybody ever had a prickle? Yeah? Very few people haven't had a prickle, I would assume. Uh, one, of the, one of the most uh, frustrating things or, or uh, annoying things about being in primary school was when we had to run cross-country and we had, to run, we, had, we had to run around the big field. When we were like juniors, year one, year two, you could run around the little field. And then we had a big field, which was, we, it was actually owned by um, the New Zealand Army because our school backed onto the, uh, one of the army bases in Papakura in South Auckland. And so we had to run around the big field. And along one, of the, of the, uh, one edge of the field was a big thorn hedge, like the entire way across. And so you'd run down this way, and then you'd run across, and then you'd get to maybe five meters from this thorn hedge, and you'd start getting not just prickles, but thorns in your foot. And it made anybody not want to run cross country. Um, you'd think any smart kid would just bring a pair of shoes and run in shoes. Uh, but I lived in South Auckland, so we didn't have shoes. Um, but I do remember, I do remember once, you think I'm joking. Um, I do remember one time, it was a couple years ago, maybe... 2012, I think it was, uh, I was on a missions trip in Fiji, which is pretty cool, uh, not too bad. I was doing music in schools. It was something I took a few friends over uh, from the place I, I, I taught at a Good Time Music Academy, and we went and we taught music, and we did music performances in schools, a little bit like Revolution Tour, shared an inspirational message, did some stuff in a couple of churches as well, and, uh, and we, had a, we had a blast. We got in front of about 2,500 kids while we were there in six, six or seven days, and basically told them that they're awesome. And that, that people believe in them, that they would, people being my, myself and my friends, would spend money to come to Fiji and just tell them that. Uh, we, we were all drummers, so we did some cool percussion pieces on some desks and some stuff like that, which was good fun. Um, did some crazy dancing. 
Oh man, crazy white man dancing. It was good. Uh, Dougal will demonstrate some of this later. Um, but uh, but on one of our days off, we we were at the we were at the beach and uh, we went for a swim. And um, turns out all of the nice beaches in Fiji, which you sh- see on postcards and, and and they show you on TV, are actually owned by resorts that you have to pay to to get to. So. We went to a different beach, which if you saw a postcard of that, you wouldn't want to go to Fiji. Uh, the, yeah, it was, it was not good. No white sand at Fiji. It was, it was rocky, and it was, uh, like, it was almost like black sand, and there was stuff in the water that stuck to you, and it was nasty. Uh, if you go to Fiji for a holiday, go to a resort who owns a beach. That's really important. Um, but at the end of the swim, at the end of the swimming uh, in, in the ocean, we figured we're at Fiji we're going to go swimming. The water was warm. I'll give I'll give it that much. Uh, but I came out and I put my went to put my shoes on and I got a, a what felt like a prickle and it was it was quite sore, similar to more more like a thorn. Um, but I went to pull it out and I could tell I didn't quite get it all out. Uh, and, and it didn't matter what I tried, I couldn't get it out. I didn't have, because I was organizing the missions trip, there was no first aid kit uh, on, the, on the missions trip. The, the guys we were staying with were awesome, uh, and it was a great place, but they had no tweezers or needles or anything like that. And so I was stuck with this thing in my foot. I squeezed it, I dug at it with uh, um, uh, nail clippers. <laughs> I still couldn't get it out. didn't matter what I did. I couldn't get this thing out, but it was only two days until we went home, so I figured, ah, oh, it's not too bad anyway. I'll just leave it, and uh, I'll be fine by the time I get home. So the next day, it, uh, I, t- I took off my shoes, went for, went for a shower, and, and it, it was really sore, I really, really saw to the point where I really couldn't put too much weight on it. And so, it, I mean, it still it didn't look bad. It was maybe a little bit swollen, but it wasn't too bad. So I was like, ah, oh, you know, but we're going home tomorrow. I think it's going to be okay. So I'll just, I'll just kind of deal with it. We didn't have anything on that day. It was our second to last day. So we were just chilling out. So I'll, like, oh, I'll, just, I'll just take the weight off it and I should be fine. Uh, but then the next day, I took off my sock after, uh, when I woke up, checked my foot, and it was purple. And I was like, oh, that's nasty. Oh, that's, that, that's, that's, a little, that's, that's not just a prickle on my foot anymore. That's starting to get a little bit worse. But, I mean, we're, we're flying home at kind of 10 o'clock in the morning. So I was like, oh, by the time I get home, get a needle, or get in there, get out the prickle, that sort of thing. So, so um, it's starting to get quite a, quite a bit worse now. I'm starting to walk a little bit like, a little bit like this because I can't, I can't put weight on my, on my toe. And anyway, we get, we get home, and I, I, I take, off my, take off my shoe and take off my sock and sit on my bed, and it is purple and green and yellow, and there's some red in there and a little bit of, you know, it was like a whole rainbow just chilling in my foot. And I did what I did. The only thing I thought of that I could do is I just I just put a little bit of pressure and boom, like literally, I don't even know what it was. Stuff flew out of my foot. It was nasty. Sorry if you've got a queasy uh, stomach, but but the relief, oh the relief when that was when I did that. Like, the pressure was gone. It's good. Okay, I'm like ah oh, sweet. Go to the pharmacy, get like a little tube of like uh, antibiotic type stuff, whatever it is. I uh, put that on my foot, kind of go about the rest of my day, and then uh, go to sleep, wake up the next day, and it's back, but worse. And it's like filled up again, and I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? So not knowing what else to do, I'm kind of like an 18, 19, maybe, oh, no, maybe like a 21-year-old boy. I do what every good young adult boy would do. I call my mum. 
And I'm like, Mum, what do I do? And she's like, okay, you need to go to the hospital. If you leave it too much longer, it could start to get dangerous, blood poison. You're not in danger of that necessarily at the moment, et cetera, et cetera. But you need to go to the hospital. I'm like, okay, sweet. Go to the hospital. I live next to the hospital, so I walk down, show them my foot. They take me in. I'm like, yes, yeah, we'll be here maybe an hour, two, two hours max kind of thing. The next day, after general anesthetic and an operation on my foot... I kid you not, I am like wrapped up, my foot stained red because of the iodine, like they had to cut it open, wash it out, drain it out, all that sort of stuff, it was that bad, all because I couldn't get a prickle outside, out of my foot. See, what was only, well, what was just one small, seemingly insignificant prickle created mass amounts of pain and discomfort, disrupted my day, and even came close to doing me some serious damage through blood poisoning just because I didn't deal with it when I first got it. And when we look at, when we look at this text, I think we see the same kind of thing. So we read about four different places where this seed landed. And the seed is talking about God's word, primarily the gospel. When the gospel of Jesus Christ is sown out, the fact that he lived a perfect life, died for our sins, and has made a way for us to reconnect with the Father, when that is sown, it lands in certain hearts, soil, and there's different different types. See, the hard soil is hard-hearted, and I believe no one's here, no one here has hard soil today. I think if you had a hard heart, you wouldn't even be in church today. Not interested in God. If you realize, if you if you came here not knowing that this was church, you would have left. By now, so I believe that no one really here has got hard soil today. Uh, the rocky soil is people who live with a surface level kind of faith. See, the problem with this kind of faith is that these people don't want to live a godly life; they simply want to use God to ease their life. See, that's why there's so many rocks in their lives. It's because that's why there's so much stuff. Is because to get anything that shouldn't be there out of their lives takes far too much effort. The gospel lands, but so does everything else. So it's all crowded out. Everything is surface level. See, their lives simply become a dumping ground for whatever is happening to them and around them. It keeps everything shallow and surface level in their lives. See, uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, it says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. See, if this is true, then anyone with a mass amounts of rocks in their lives aren't going to get very far. But uh, th- th- that leaves us with the thorny soil and the good soil. And that's really what I, want, what I want to focus on today because I believe it's actually the same soil. The thorny soil and the good soil is the same soil. And the reason I believe this is that thorns need nutrients from the soil to grow just as much as good crops do. See, so there's nothing in the soil that makes it bad. It's just the fact that there are thorns there. So even when there is crops there, the good things in life, the good things in our heart, other things can still be there which choke out the good things of God. So the soil is actually good. And so the good thing, if, you, if, you, if, there, if there are things in our heart that aren't good, the good thing is that actually you've got good soil, that your heart is soft. We just need to do some gardening. See, if the thorns were pulled out, the soil would now be good for planting crops, for planting the good things in life, and these, things, these good things in life would multiply. 
See, what's interesting about this passage, though, and where it's located in the Bible, is that exactly or directly after this story, Jesus tells another parable. We're going to chuck it up on the screen. Uh, and this one it goes on, it, literally the next verse, verse 24. Uh, I'm going to read it from my Bible while you guys follow it up there. Jesus told them another parable. And it says... The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Another agricultural parable. Jesus wasn't a farmer, just by the way. He just realized that most people were. They understood the agriculture of the day, so that's why he talked like that. Uh, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. Everybody say weeds. Weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So in the first parable, we we read about these thorns that really it's the only thing that needs to be pulled out of the soil before the soil is made good and the crops can grow and actually not choke out the good things of God. Yet in the second parable, We read about these weeds. In another translation, it talks about them as tares, T-A-R-E-S, tares. And Jesus says, don't pull those out. You might pull out the crops. You might pull out the good things that's growing. So what's the difference between them? Why pull out the thorns but leave in the weeds? Well, Jesus tells us what the thorns are. The first one he says, the the thorns are the worries of life, number one. Do I fit in? Do I have enough for my retirement? Are my kids going to be safe? Is my house safe? Am I going to get a job? Do my armpits smell? Do I have job security? The only thing that is certain in this life, though, is that one day we'll need a box about this big but even, and, and enough dirt to cover it. But even this we can't worry about. The thorns are anxiety, worry, doubt, unbelief, living a small and insignificant life. That's... That's, that's one, one type of thorn. The other type of thorn, number two, Jesus says, is the deceitfulness of wealth. Whether you earn a lot, whether you have a lot, or you have hardly any, the deceitfulness, the deceitfulness of wealth can still be a thorn for all of us. See, driven to earn more, looking for that marker of success, looking for that security, whatever it is, the truth, the truth is we'll never get there. The thorns are insecurity, unhealthy discontent, living in denial, blaming others for your misfortune, or pride for thinking it's all because of your efforts. The third thing that Jesus says the thorns are, and it's actually found in Mark's account, not Matthew's account, but Mark's account of the same story, is the desires for other things. It's it's like the keeping up with Kardashians. I I don't know if you watch that. I really pray you don't. Like, really, that is a terrible, terrible show. But it's all about this is what this family, this rich family are doing. It's what they have. It's what they own. It's what they 
uh, do. And actually, there's, there's, there's um, a market in the world, which I've found out recently, for people on Instagram or famous people to actually take pictures of them with specific brands because they get paid by that brand to say, hey, look, I'm wearing my new Nike trainers or I'm drinking this Powerade or Gatorade type of thing. They're not even, the only reason they're famous is because they're famous. Like literally, that's why they are, that's why they're getting paid to do this stuff. But it's that, it's that whole thing of, oh, I need that. I want that. I need those clothes. I need this new technology. I need that car, that house, the desires for other things to fill a gap that's inside us. See, these thorns are envy, jealousy, bitterness, sometimes even anger, and a feeling of injustice if we don't have these things. See, the thorns are the internal realities of what's happening in our hearts. Oh, sure, things can, be, can still look good on the outside, but our, but our lives will be unfruitful. They'll have no fruit, no peace, no joy, no long-suffering, as Jesus puts it. So we might be able to put it on a show for a bit, but really things aren't going well. No fruit is growing. So the thorns are the internal realities, but the weeds, however, are the tough situations and circumstances of life. They're the things around us that happen to us. They're that person who really gets on your nerve. See, these things grow up right next to us. They're in our families, in our churches. In our friendships, workplaces, they're everywhere. These are the heartaches, the losses of loved ones, the unfair situations where we feel wronged. See, Jesus talked about them with regards to thorns and weeds. I like to think of them more as, uh, as pebbles and boulders. Pebbles and boulders. You see, boulders are big, immovable things that are there to stay. If there's a boulder in your path, Unless you're Harris or Putty, really, that thing is going to stay there for a long time. You're not going to be able to move it. You can, you, sure, you can, you can go over it. You might be able to go around it. You can climb it, what, whatever it may be. But you're not going to be able to move it very easily at all. See, see a boulder is like a weed. It's the tough situations in life, the, re- the realities we find ourselves in every day. But you see, a pebble is quite the opposite. Although it is small and seemingly insignificant, if you have a pebble in your shoe and you're going on a hike, that's going to do a lot of damage to you in the long term if you leave it in there. If it goes unchecked, and you might be okay for a day, you might maybe might make two, but come day three or even four, you're going to have a lot of hurt in your legs. You're going to have a sore, sore foot. See, a pebble is like a thorn, the internal reality of what's happening in our hearts. See, just like the prickle in my foot, you'll be able to put up with the pebble at first. But left unchecked, it's going to get worse and worse until it's infected and starts to affect everything else in your life too. See, the boulder is the family drama that seems to be never-ending. But the pebble is the pain and anger that keeps you up at night. The boulder is the workmate who got a promotion even though you've been there longer and probably do the job better. But the pebble is the resentment that is growing in your heart towards everyone who now succeeds. See, the difficulties you're experiencing experiencing in your marriage, boulder. But the desire to close off from your partner, 
is the pebble that will trip you up. So the one will destroy your marriage if you let it, the other will strengthen it. Left unchecked, this pebble will drive a wedge between you and your partner. The complications of having an unhealthy child, bolder. Anxiety about their safety growing in your heart, pebble. The unfair things church leaders have said to you or done to you, bolder. And trust me, that boulder sucks. <laughs> That's a big boulder. But the distrust you're holding onto of anyone in authority, pebble. So left unchecked, this pebble is going to skew the way you see not just first, the, not, not, just the, not just the first church you leave, but every church after that. Ultimately, everyone in leadership, and ultimately, even after that, your perception of God. So these things that, that we leave unchecked are going to do damage. The things that happened to you as a kid that should never have happened, boulder, big boulder. <laughs> the unforgiveness that is discoloring your view of the world, that's the pebble. The broken friendship, boulder. The feeling inside to isolate yourself from community, pebble. The fact that your car got stolen, that sucks. That's a boulder. The prejudice towards different cultures and age groups, pebble. The big success story that you worked so hard to achieve, boulder. The pride that is quietly telling you that it's all because of you, pebble. Having lived a long life full of experience and victories, boulder. Feeling like you've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, my time is up, I've served my time, pebble. See, if you remember nothing else from today, I want you to remember this. It's not the boulder in your path, but the pebble in your shoe that will do the most damage. So left unchecked, it's the pebble that will rob you of your destiny. Has anybody seen the movie Whiplash? Whiplash, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's an awesome movie. It's a great movie. It's, it's about a jazz drummer. And uh, obviously I'm a little bit biased because I am a jazz drummer, went to jazz school. Uh, if you've seen the movie... It's, it's actually, like, this might surprise some of you, it's actually quite accurate. It's a great movie. It's not all, it's, it's easy to understand. It's easy to follow along with. It's not some weird, wacky, muso movie, which is a bit odd, like the Beatles would put out. It's actually, like, it's a cool movie, really good movie, great story, great char character development, et cetera, et cetera. But um, it's, it's actually very, very much like jazz school. It's very competitive. If you, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, basically, it's all about this one drummer who wants to be in what's called a big band. And a big band is uh, one of the best parts of jazz school. You're in a band with 17 other instruments. You've got five trumpets, or four trumpets usually, five, oh, sorry, no, five trumpets, four trombones, five saxophones. You've got a, a piano, you've got a bass player, a guitarist, and, and one drummer, uh, and, and sometimes a singer, but nah, no, not in jazz. <laughs> um, but... But, but so, so I went to jazz school, so I experienced this. It's very competitive. In the, in the movie, uh, the band director actually at one point picks up a chair and throws it at the drummer because he's playing out of time. I, I, I've seen Laura do that before, but no, no, I'm joking. I'm, I'm joking. Like that, but that, it's not that bad at jazz school, but it's that kind of vibe. It's competitive. It's come on, come on, come on. You can do better. You need to be better. This, you're not good enough. And it's... It, 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 you can get dropped from a band as simple as that. If you're not playing up to standard, maybe not just one week, maybe two weeks in a row, maybe, maybe, maybe three if you're lucky. If you're not hitting it consistently, drop from the band. Simple as that. You drop down, 
another guy gets a chance. And it's that competitive at jazz school. And see, I found myself in a, in a situation in my second year where uh, I was putting in a lot of hours. I was doing maybe uh, six to eight hours practice of, of music a week. Oh, sorry, a day, I should say, uh, through Monday through Saturday, and then I had Sunday off uh, after that. But I, would be, I, would be, I was practicing hard. I was writing lots of music. And, and there was, in, in my year, there was six drummers. And see, in, at jazz school, there's an average dropout rate of 50%. And so we started with six drummers in our year, in first year, and we finished our, year, our third year with six drummers. So what's usually really competitive, even though the drummers get smaller, like drop out and drop out, drop out, we had our final year with everybody still making it through, still hanging on, still competing for top grades, for top positions in bands, for top groups, everything like that. So it's, you usually end up in the last year with one, maybe two drummers, and you're fighting for the top position. We had six. So it was competitive. And I remember one situation, it was our mid-year recital, and uh, you had to do two songs, and so we all did our, our two songs, and we support each other. We, we were good friends, and we, we got along, and we encouraged each other, and helped each other, and shared drum solos that we'd transcribed, which was cool. But I remember getting our results back from this mid-year recital, and I got the same grade. I was a bit disappointed with my grade, but I got the same grade as one of the other drummers who, in my opinion, was just hanging on. He was just hanging on, and we got the same grade, and it ripped me. It was so painful to, to think that I'd put in this much effort. And he was, he was an awesome, he's still one of my friends, and, and he's a great guy and a good drummer for sure. But, but to see someone who, who I thought was just, just holding on to get the same grade as me, and, and, and ultimately what happened is I started to get bitter, and this bitterness root that was inside me started to grow, and it started to change the way I saw jazz school, started to change the way I saw musicians who were doing well. I started to think that things were unfair, but it was one day when I realized that this is what was happening, I started to not want to go to jazz school. I started to not want to, to play with other musicians. I wanted to start to, to, to do something else. I was looking at other things I could be doing. But, but it was just because of this bitterness that was going on inside me that was slowly growing. And I realized that actually what I needed to do was humble myself, take off my shoe, and shake out this pebble. Because it was starting to discolor what, uh, the way I saw the world. And see, uh, towards the end of this, uh, so that, that kind of happened and kind of moved through over a few weeks. At the end of the year, we had a similar sort of situation where we auditioned for the band. This was like the big band, big band number one, the prized position for a drummer in the, in New Zealand, in the New Zealand School of Music. And I'd had it as my goal since the day one when I got there and heard that band. I said, you know what? I'm going to be in that band. That is me. Move aside. I am ready. This is my third year, final year of jazz school. I'm auditioning for this band. Got it nailed. And then I didn't get it. My friend, who actually was a better drummer than me, which <laughs> makes it a little bit easier, but my friend actually got the position. And I was, again, I was gutted. I'd worked, I'd worked for two and a half years to make it into this band. Not just that, but that was a big one of my, one of my big goals. And I, and I didn't get it. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, of really wanting something, really wanting a grade, really wanting a, a I don't know, a scholarship or a, 
uh, an overseas exchange or something like that, and you, you, you don't get it. Wanting a job, wanting a promotion, and you don't, you don't get it. But I, I, I realized what could happen in that situation. And I took action early. I realized that as a boulder, not the pebble, that actually it was something I could overcome if I chose to do that while I shake, shake out the pebbles in my shoes as the way over. So you can't move the boulder, but you can shake out your shoe. In fact, God doesn't even want the boulders moved. When Jesus was talking, to, when the servants came to Jesus and said, should we pull out these weeds? Jesus said, no, keep them there. Keep them there because if you pull them out, the good things I'm doing might be pulled out as well. See, the boulders in your life aren't there on accident. Well, that's not entirely true. God doesn't want hurt, pain, discomfort. It's never in his plan. However, he will use everything that happens in our lives to do something better in our lives if we, if we let him, if we allow him to do that. So he doesn't want death, brokenness, broken relationships, but he will use every single one of those to make you into a better person and to bring his glory from heaven to earth. So every tough situation in life is an opportunity for us to grow, but we get to decide if we will or not. The people who try and run away from their situations never really get anywhere because it's not the boulders that are the problem, it's the pebbles. So they run and run and run, never stopping to realize that what's actually doing the damage is the things in their shoes. See, I wonder what would happen if we stopped praying to God to change our situations, started praying to God to change us to overcome our situations. What would happen in our city if we realized the things that happened to us and around us and uh, against us, that we could actually use them to grow into someone stronger, that actually declares His glory better, that brings His light into situations that is needed. What would happen if we as a group of people, as a community, could grasp hold of that reality? That we're actually here to be rock climbers. And here today, I'm here to tell you that you are a rock climber. You might not think that you are. You might not think you have a good power to weight ratio. But I'm here to tell you that you do. You were built, you were designed to climb boulders, to overcome boulders. It's just that the pebbles in your shoe will trip you up. See, God is calling his people to become rock climbers and being rock climbers. See, why would God want us to climb over boulders? I can think of two specific reasons. And if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write them down for this. Uh, Number one, he wants you to climb even bigger ones in the future. The boulder that you're facing right now is only a foretaste of the things that God has in store for you in the future. See, I believe that the bigger the boulders we climb, the more glory it brings to God, assuming we don't have those pebbles in our shoe on the way. See, no one one likes someone who's, who's overcoming things, who's conquering things, but is whinging about it and complaining about it and, 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 and bringing people down on the way. But I really believe that, that God has things in store for you, even if you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. I believe that God's got things in store for all of us to climb and to, to actually overcome in life. That's his desire for us is to achieve things that bring him glory. Number two, the second thing is once you're at the top of the boulder, you'll be able to help others up. See, it speaks in 2 Corinthians, the first chapter of 2 Corinthians, I think it's verse four, that actually when we go through times of hardship, God is our comfort. 
And we go through those times so that we can be a comfort for others. See, the, 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 uh, the picture that jumps to mind is when an army unit has to climb, you know, when they like build that massive wooden wall. And it's like, how on earth do you climb that? It's like five meters tall, three meters tall, whatever it is. You can't jump that high. You have to work together. And so once you're at the top, you reach down and you pull the next person up. I really believe that's part of what we're called to do as Christians, as a community of faith, is that when you're going through a family struggle, you reach out to someone else who's been through the same or going through the same thing. That's, that's part of being a community together. See, the only thing is that the bigger the boulders, the higher the chance of getting pebbles in your shoes. See, what we need to do is do a regular shakeout of our shoes. We need to shake out those pebbles. We need to do some regular gardening. Oh, Wakash, if you want to come, come jam the keys. Not too funky. <laughs> See, this simply looks like taking some time out with God, asking His Holy Spirit to show you what's in your heart that shouldn't be there. What pebble is in my shoe that is tripping me up? What's doing the damage? What boulder am I looking at and being discouraged to take on, not because of the boulder, but because I'm actually hurting? See, what, what's growing? And then come and ask him to, to pull it out. Confess that you don't want it there anymore, that you want to be free from it. And you'll be amazed at how quickly you start to live a powerful, fulfilling life. See, one of my favorite characters in the Bible was Joseph. He had some boulders. He had some massive boulders. If you don't know the story, Joseph was a, an Israelite boy. He was the youngest of the family at the time. And he was about uh, 11 brothers or 10, 10 brothers, I think, at the time. And he had these visions and these, you know, these dreams of great things and that his brothers would bow down to him. And, you know, he had these, these pictures of awesome, uh, an awesome future of what he'd do, what he would achieve. But his brothers weren't so convinced. And so they grabbed him, beat him up one day, chucked him in a well to die and eventually sold him to slavery. When your family does that to you, I don't know about you, but I feel like that would be a pretty big boulder. How do you overcome that without bitterness, anger, injustice? Absolutely, that was unjust. I'm not saying it wasn't unjust. But when it grows on the inside of you, it, it cripples you. It, it destroys your potential. It destroys your future. He was able to push past that. Went into Potiphar's house in Egypt where he worked as uh, one, of his, uh, one of his servants, became his top servant, and then got falsely accused of, of trying to rape his wife, even though she was the one that was coming on to him. Thrown in jail. Have you ever been falsely accused? I can tell you from personal experience, that sucks. That sucks. But it's not that false accusation that will destroy you. It's the, what happens in your heart. See, God, God doesn't mind us talking to Him about our situations. God, this is hard. This is a struggle. That's, that's not a bad thing. He wants to hear those things. He's our comforter. He's our listener. He's our counselor. But really, He's, he's, he's most concerned about what's going on inside of us. 
what's our response to these things? Are we going to respond in a good way? Are we going to grow? Are we going to overcome these things? Ultimately, he was, so, he, so Joseph's in jail and still he holds on to hope. He starts to run the jail. You know, he could have very easily sat in the corner and said, life is not fair. I did not deserve this, but he didn't. He, he ran the prison as a prisoner. To me, that's just amazing. Ultimately, he got... The, 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 the king asked for his, his help interpreting a dream. He got lifted and promoted to, a, to a, a significant place where he was second in command of an entire nation, the most powerful nation of the world at that time. And to me, that just says, if we can overcome our boulders without picking up any pebbles along the way, there's nowhere that God couldn't take us. Absolutely nowhere. Why don't you uh, stand, stand to your feet? Just as I finish. Awesome. See, I believe, I believe that everyone here today has good soil in their hearts. But I also believe that there are some thorns that need weeding out, some pebbles that need shaking out of our shoes. I don't, I don't know your story. I don't know what you've come in with. I don't know what, you've, what, you, what you're carrying. I don't know what's happened to you, and I don't know the effect of that. I know my journey. I know one or two people's journey, but I don't know everybody here. A lot of people here, I just really believe that God's speaking to you right now, and that He's actually talking to specific situations in your life that, that may have been hard situations, but it's not the situation that's done the damage. It's actually been the pebbles and the thorns that have been left over that's done the damage. And I really believe God wants to do some gardening. So while there's things that we can do to, uh, to shake out our pebbles and, and pull up the thorns, I also reckon at times we need God to do a work in our hearts. See, there are things that are so embedded in us that only He can find them, grab them, and pull them out. So I've got two questions to ask you. And I just want to encourage you, why don't you close your eyes and just, I really believe God's just going to move through this place. His Holy Spirit's going to speak. He's going to do some heart surgery today, this morning. And I want, to ask you, I want you to ask yourself two questions. Number one, what boulder in front of me has been distracting me from the pebble growing in my shoe? What am I unaware of? Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would, you would reveal these things to us. If that's you, if you've been seeing a boulder as, uh, as a pebble, if you've been seeing this, this situation as the problem and you've actually been, blind, been blinded to the fact that there's something else going on, a thorn or a pebble in your heart, I just want you to respond, raise your hands, respond to the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that as you, as you minister today, Lord, that you would actually do uh, some heart surgery that you would remove these thorns, these pebbles in our hearts, the bitterness, the, the insecurity, the doubt, the fear, Lord, that is in our hearts. I pray that you would move right now and do some heart surgery. I just want to encourage you, determine in your heart today that you'll stop trying to change the situation and start trying to be changed into a better person by the situation. The second question I want, I want, to, I want you to ask yourself is what pebble in my shoe has been stopping me from living a life of calling? What thorns are in your heart that is choking out the good things 
in life. Father, once again, well, well, if that's you, why don't you respond today just again by lifting your hands. Father, I just pray for, for every person that can identify the, the, the pebbles in their lives that they've been holding on to, that they've been protecting, that they haven't been wanting to touch. I pray that you would do, again, a heart surgery in our hearts today. See, I want to uh, leave you with this verse, which is a bit of a life verse for me. Uh, it's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Simply put, let us shake out those pebbles, pull out those thorns, and climb those boulders with perseverance. See, you are a rock climber. <laughs> Come on, say, I am a rock climber. Like you mean, I am a rock climber. Come on. I'm really believing that God is going to propel you into some interesting situations this week. And I want to encourage you, when that happens, just be ready to respond in the right way. I am a rock climber. I'm going to overcome this situation with God who strengthens me. And I'm not going to take on any extra baggage. Amen? Amen.